Hi, Karen Kambule here. Welcome to the Word Anchor Podcast, where we aim to search, find, share, and apply scriptures to life's issues. We will find victory and succeed in life if we are anchored in the Word of God. Please do enjoy this episode. Shalom. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in. Our episode is titled Rebuilding the Temple of God. And we are going to look at the story of Zerubbabel. And it is recorded in the book of Matthew chapter 1 verse 12, which reads as follows. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Praise God. You would wonder why I start with the verse in the New Testament about a man whose story is in the Old Testament. In Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus is recorded and this man named Zerubbabel is spoken of as someone that was begotten by Shealtiel in Babylon. So this is a man that was born and raised up in Babylon within that 70 years that Jeremiah spoke about. You would recall that in 598 BC, Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem and took some of the captives, including Daniel and Ezekiel, to Babylon. And these are the men whose stories are written in the book of Daniel and the book of Ezekiel and um, in the Chronicles and Kings. Now, in 586 BC, Jerusalem was fully and completely destroyed the temple was destroyed and the people were taken captive to Babylon. Within that 70 years, as Jeremiah had prophesied, the captives were remaining in Babylon as Jer- Jeremiah had said that they must continue life as usual right there. They must plant vineyards, they must marry and do whatever and bless that land in Babylon and in captivity. However, this man, Zerubbabel, who had never been to Jerusalem, who was born and raised in a foreign land. He's still mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. He still stood in line for the fulfillment of the plan of God by which the Messiah would come in the lineage of the King David. There is another man called Cyrus, the king of Persia, who then later conquered Babylon, the Babylonian kingdom, which included now Israel and Judah. Now, this is a man whom Isaiah prophesied about in chapter 45, verse 13, where he said, I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city and let my exiles go free, not for prize, nor reward, says the Lord of hosts. Praise God. So, Zerubbabel takes over the Babylonian kingdom. He is the king of Persia. Now, Babylon falls under Persia, including all the conquered cities, including Jerusalem, including Israel, the whole of Israel and Judah. Now, this is a king that God raised up. Amazing that God would raise up a foreign king, a foreign king that has taken over his own people who had been taken captivity into Babylon. And God says, this one. This one I have raised him up in righteousness. 
a foreign king raised up by God himself. You would think that God would have raised up a Messiah in Israel at that point in time. No, he raises up a foreign king and says, this one, I, God, will direct all his ways. And he, Cyrus, shall build my city and he shall let my exiles go free, not for price, nor for reward. Praise God. Zerubbabel is the one that heeded the call when Cyrus said, who shall go up? Who shall go up to rebuild the temple? He said, the Lord has called me to do this. I am sending whoever is saying, I am available to go and do the work. You must go up and rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. Zerubbabel rises up. Praise God. He didn't even know that he was in line to fall within the genealogy of Jesus. But he arose for it was written that the scepter of, um, of the kingdom shall not depart from the loins of Judah and, and out of David and his lineage, the king still um, came up. And Zerubbabel, though he was never anointed as king, he still fell in line with that lineage of kings of um, Israel and Judah and specifically Judah by which um, Jesus Christ will come. Now you then wonder why a person who had not even been to Jerusalem will be the first to raise up a hand and say, I'm going, I'm going to rebuild Jerusalem. I'm going to rebuild the temple. He did not even know it. He had not been there. He had not served at the temple. He had not worshipped God in the temple. He only knew the land in Babylon and the people and the gods there. But he still raised up his hand and said, I will do it. When God says, who will rebuild? This man, Zerubbabel, said, I will go. I will lead the people. Obviously, he had a kingly lineage in him. He was of the, the, the blood of the kings, and the kings, David and Solomon and all of them. He rose up as a leader and took the people back to Jerusalem, a land that he had never been to. Now, I want to say to you, your circumstance does not alter the plan of God. The fact that he was born in a foreign land did not alter the plan of God. The fact that you are born out of poverty, it will not alter the plan of God. The fact that you are born sick does not alter the plan of God. The fact that you are raised under difficult circumstances does not alter the plan of God. When God has spoken and says, my plans for you are, is good, it's not to harm you, but it is to prosper you and give you a hope in the future. If it is not prosperity in which you are living in, then it's not the plan of God. And the fact that you are not prospering right now does not mean the plan of God to prosper you has changed. Because he is the same God that says, I do not change. Circumstances do change. They may change for the worst, but God still remains and his plan still remains. You may not want to move away from the plan of God if you knew how good God is. Your situation, no matter how painful it is, it does not mean the absence of the Spirit of God in your life. This man was in Babylon, but the Bible tells us that he was doing this work by the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that moved in within him to say, I love Jerusalem. I want to go and see the land of my people, the land God had chosen for his people. And do not wait for good circumstances so that you can respond to the call of God. 
There are people that will say, you know, I want to make money before I can respond to the call of God. I, I, I want this to happen. I want to be married first before I can respond to the call of God. Uh, I, I want this. You will never have perfection in life. And God will not wait for you to have perfection before he wants his work to be done. Zerubbabel did not have a perfect life. He only had a heart for God and his temple. He had a heart for his homeland, a land that he did not even know. Secondly, he was empowered by the Spirit of God. When you are going to rebuild the temple of God, you need the Spirit of God. Doing the work of God requires one to be empowered by the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, you might end up using other spirits. We see it even today in the church where people want to do things by other spirits. Because you see, here on earth, even in heaven, everything is spiritual. Now you cannot deal with the people of God without the Spirit of God. Because you are actually intercepting the plans of the devil concerning the people of God. Therefore, you need the power of God. You need the spirit of God so that you can be able to stand against all the wiles of the enemy. The tabernacle was built with the leadership of Bezalel, who was a man who was filled with the spirit of God, as it is written in the book of Exodus chapter 30 to 31, where it says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hu, and the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. Praise God. You cannot just go and say, I'm going to rebuild the temple of God and you don't have the spirit of God. Because if you are touching the things of God, you need to be led by his spirit. Because you need to know, you need to be able to download what does God want. You need to have the vision of God. God would give even the dimensions. Even, even Noah he got a plan for the ark from God. Dimensions. How many meters wide? How many meters uh, uh, by length? How many meters high? What kind of material you need to use? Now we are still talking about the physical temple. The temple of God was built by Solomon. But he did not begin to build this, the temple of God before he received the wisdom of God. He prayed for it because he knew that on his own, with his own understanding, he will fail. But he needed the Spirit of God. Even David, his father, was filled by the Spirit of God. Even King Saul, when he was anointed king, the Spirit of God rested upon him. Now Zerubbabel was empowered by the Spirit of God, as it is written in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, where it says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Praise God, praise God. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. You dare not touch the things of God without the Spirit of God. You will mess up big time. If you are going to go into the things of God without his spirit, how will we know? How will we know what God wants concerning his people unless the spirit of God empowers us? Lastly, rebuilding the temple of God requires you to disregard the negativity. Rebuild despite negativity. You see, when the temple of, um, that was rebuilt by Zerubbabel, when it was finished, the foundations, when the people looked at it, as it is written in the book of Ezra chapter 3 verse 12 to 13, it says, 
But many of the priests and Levites and the heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard afar off. The Lord had instructed the rebuilding of the temple prophetically through Isaiah and Cyrus um, through his instruction. However, Zerubbabel did not know how the old temple looked like. He could only do as the Spirit led him. However, there were men, old priests and Levites. These are men who had done nothing about rebuilding the temple at that time up until Zerubbabel came. There are people who will only complain when they see you building up, whereas they are there looking at the ruins of the temple, looking at the ruins of the walls in Jerusalem, but they did nothing. When someone else rises up to rebuild, they start comparing. It was better looking that way. It was um, splendor. It was beautiful. It was big. The, the stones were beautiful and all sorts of things. They cried. But praise be to God. The Bible tells us that as they were crying and weeping, there was even a louder shout of joy. The younger generation did not care how big and beautiful the old temple was. They were happy to have a temple. They were happy to have a place of worship. They were happy to be able to go and do sacrifice in that temple. Whatever little that you do for the kingdom of God, the Bible says, do whatever you do in the name of the Lord. If you are doing it for Jesus, Jesus is happy. Even if you look at it and you want to think it's it's too small. The Bible says in Zechariah 4 verse 10, For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. So God's eyes were looking. Praise God. As Zerubbabel and the whole team were putting up stone after stone, Brick after brick, the eyes of the Lord were scanning it. Praise God. The Spirit of God was on Zerubbabel. It was not by his might nor by his power. So when you are despising the work of God over the temple of God, you are despising what God is doing through his people. Who has despised this day of small things? You, 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 you're thinking that what I'm doing is very little to the eyes of God as long as you are doing it in obedience to him and for his glory. It is good. Now to top it all, this small thing that they despised was the very temple that Jesus Christ, this small thing that they despised was the very temple that Jesus Christ would walk in. You remember that he went through uh, to Jerusalem Uh, riding on a donkey and the people were singing Hosanna to the highest. He went into that very same temple. When he got in there, he found the money changers. He whipped the cord and started beating them up and chased them out of the temple. He said, this house is a house of prayer. He said, this is my father's house. So the temple that was being despised by the people in the time of Zerubbabel is the very same temple that Jesus Christ said, this is my father's house. Why are you despising God's house? Why are you despising what you think is little? Because Jesus Christ did not walk in there and say, Oh, this temple is too small. Uh, This temple is not as glorious as this temple that was built by Solomon. Because Jesus Christ knew the temple, the old temple. He knew 
how it looked like. So he did not despise it. Sometimes we're looking down on what God is doing. We're thinking we need to see mega things when God is pleased even with the small things. The Bible says after having chased out those people, the blind and the lame people came to Jesus in that very temple, praise God, and Jesus Christ healed them right inside that temple that was despised by the people. Don't despise the days of the small things. The small beginnings are good for Jesus. Now, you'll ask yourself, what's the importance? Because the temple, even now as you speak, is not even open to the Jewish people. It's not even open to the Christian people. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You and me, as long as you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you are the temple of God. God chose to no longer dwell in the temple made by hands, but we take lessons from the temple that was made by hands. We take lessons from the relationship that God had with the men that he walked with in the Old Testament. Just as the enemies of Israel destroyed the first and the second temple, the enemy of the people of God today, the enemy of the people of God is always roaming around trying to destroy the temple of God today. In John 10 verse 10 it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy you. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Praise Jesus. He says, There is one person, a thief. That one is yet to steal, to kill and to destroy. And that's what he does. He steals in various ways. He kills, he destroys. He comes after the people of God. He is coming after the flock of God. The whole book of John speaking about the good shepherd. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. But there is the enemy of the flock of God, the people of God, the body of Christ. That enemy is always trying. He's not trying to steal and to kill his own people. They die because nature calls for death. But he's trying to steal and to kill from the people of God. He wants to take people of God away from God. He wants the people of God to think God does not love them when things that are evil and painful are happening to them. People will leave church and stop worshipping the only true God because of the attacks of the enemy. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He attacks and destroys the temple of God in various ways. Every single day that is his full-time job. His job description is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He will do that through sickness. Sickness breaks down the physical temple of God, which is your body. Because you see, when, when that body is broken down and it no longer functions, you die. And the spirit goes back to God who made it. Sickness. Sickness tries to take you out before time. But God said, with long life I will satisfy you. He said, the number of your days I will fulfill. He said he will not strive with men. The number of his days shall be 120. But sickness, the enemy, the devil, brings sickness so that you don't reach that 120 that God has spoken of. He brings sickness so that when you are sick and you've prayed and you've fasted and the sickness does not go away, you'll then move to the witch doctors, to the traditional healers and say, heal me. And they heal you by a familiar spirit by a demonic spirit and satanic spirit and you move away from worshipping the only true God. The enemy always tries to take people away from God. He will attack. He will attack through witchcraft, through demonic forces. He will bring affliction and bondage. He will attack you from all angles 
and all he wants is for you to go to his side and start looking for help there. You remember King Saul when he could not reach out to God because the spirit of God had left him and he needed to know what was going to happen in the battle that he was about to go to. He ended up going to a medium knowing fully well that God did not allow him to go to a medium but he went and consulted. Today people will leave the church and go and consult a medium and come back and say God will forgive me. That is exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to go and consult mediums. Before you know it, you are so in deep into these things, you don't even know how to get out because when you go there and consult, they cause you to come back. They will bring things for you to come back. I actually listened to one of those um, traditional doctors saying that you, you will come and consult and say you've seen this spirit in your house. She says there's no spirit there, but she will send that spirit after you've come and consulted so that you'll actually now see the actual spirit and then it will give you something for you to drive out that spirit she says no but we need money we we also want money and 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 that is that is the reality of going into things that are not of god you have no control over these things you don't even know the extent of the evil that is behind those spirits the enemy will attack he will make you as a believer to neglect your spirit man when you neglect the temple of god it dilapidates when it's not taken care of any house that is not taken care of it will not look good in a few years time as a child of god you neglecting prayer you neglecting fellowship that's exactly what he wants he wants you to not take care of the temple of god you neglect taking care of your own self before you know it you are sick because you fail to take care of yourself both physically and spiritually he will bring fights fights that will split the church fights that will split families he will discourage the people of god from fellowship you find that the church that used to house a thousand people now only has 200 people or 100 people because people are as the church is being split up by fights by issues by talks by gossip by a whole lot of things that the enemy comes and brings he wants to destroy the temple of god your familiar spirit where believers move away from the true god they begin to worship other gods they they begin to consult other gods they they begin to do idol worship because they are seeking answers they fail to go to god and to stay there until god gives them an answer even financial distress believers it is an attack of the enemy because you see this earth and its fullness belongs to our father the silver and the gold on this earth belongs to our father the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to our father but the enemy will delay you getting it the enemy will derail you from getting it the enemy will stop you from getting it and you will fail to take care of yourself and your family the temple of god which is yourself as a body and the temple that we build wherein is a place of fellowship as believers today money is needed both for our physical maintenance and sustenance and even the physical things around us including the house of god what should we do we should heal the sick the bible said he gives us authority and power to heal the sick and that's what we ought to do the church moves away from these things they say no we don't want all of this because of the shenanigans of the false activities that are happening people shy away from these things they they don't want to stick it out in the healing of the sick 
because they've seen the false and people think everyone is false. Bind and cast out these evil spirits, children of God. We must not be comfortable. They are there to destroy the temple of God. When we are sick, bind and cast it out. When we are attacked, bind and cast it out. We have been given those keys. Jesus Christ said we must do it and we should. And he said, nothing shall by any means hurt you at all. When you're doing it, do not be afraid of them. They may retaliate, but it says in the word of God, nothing shall by any means hurt you at all. Commit to the word of God and to prayer and to fellowship because you are building the temple of God. The word of God says, when you are speaking in tongues, you are edifying yourself. Pray in tongues. Pray in the spirit. Edify yourself. You are that temple of God. You need to be edified. Let's resolve the conflicts by all means. Because as we allow the conflicts to continue, we are breaking down the entire body of Christ. What will we be having that is left for us? Because it is in fellowship that we are able to hold each other up. That when the enemy attacks, he finds us united. When the lion wants to take prey, he looks for the one that is isolated, the one that is sickly, the one that is wandering around. And those are the ones that he attacks. But when you are right in the middle of the flock, he struggles. It struggles to find the right prey. We ought to be united as the body of Christ. The temple of God must be united. There is one body, many members, one spirit, one Lord, one baptismal. And lastly, let us support the work of God. Just like the early church, they supported the work of God. They shared everything that they had so that the church of God will grow. Let us rebuild the church today. Let us rebuild our families. Let us rebuild our marriages. Let us rebuild our children. Let us rebuild everything that God has entrusted to our hands. God is looking for a Zerubbabel that will arise out of the ashes, that will arise out of captivity, that will arise under bad circumstances and say, here I am, I will go and rebuild. Let us rebuild our society. Let's rebuild our girls and boys, our young ones. You see them in the street and your heart is sore. What has the world come to? It requires someone like Zerubbabel to rise and say, I will go and rebuild. May you do that, child of God. Pray, speak the word of God, preach, support. By all means, do it in the name of the Lord. Shalom. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wet Anchor Podcast. I hope you are inspired and blessed by this message. Kindly share it with someone and spread the word. Continue to be anchored in the word of God. Till next time, stay blessed.